Welcome back to Young Smart Money, episode number 20 with me, your host, Apple Crater, the show where we bring on young people who are doing cool stuff financially, entrepreneurially, just starting their own thing, and we bring them on, we interview them, get their best practices, tips, tricks, strategies, and really how they got to where they're at today. Today, we've got a very special guest on the show. His name is Nathan Hirsch. He is the founder of FreeUp, um, sort of an agency where you can get connected with some uh, freelancer talent to work on whatever business projects that you're doing. Today, we're talking about is how he bootstrapped two businesses while he was in college with under $1,000 each and was able to grow these businesses very, very large, very, very quickly. Um, so that's what we're getting into today. If you guys are interested at all in starting your own business at a young age in college where you don't have a lot of money, this episode is going to bring a ton, a ton of value to you. And I really got a ton out of hearing from Nathan, so I hope you guys do as well. Um, without further ado, let's just hop right into the interview with Nathan. All right, guys, welcome back to Young Smart Money. Today, we've got Nathan Hirsch on the show. We started a couple businesses that we're going to get into, but um, I'm just really excited to have him here. And th the main theme of today's show is bootstrapping in college. So we're going to be talking about how to really get started in college, get on your feet, and just sort of get something going because I know a lot of our listeners here are in college. They've got that entrepreneurial spirit, that bug. So that's what we're getting into today. Um, so Nathan, if you just introduce yourself to, to the podcast, let our listeners know a little bit about yourself, what you're sort of up to um, and what you're doing just in a brief little synopsis, that would be fantastic. Sounds great. And thanks again for having me. Um, well, growing up, my parents were both teachers. So mm -hmm. I always grew up with the mentality that I would get good grades in high school, get into college, get good grades again, graduate, maybe have an internship, a job, work for 40 years, retire, and that was going to be my life. Yep. Well, yep. <laughs> we, we know that feeling. So as I was growing up, my parents always forced me to have these summer jobs, summer internships every mm -hmm. single summer. And oh, yeah. while my friends were outside playing, I was inside working 40, 50 <laughs> hours a week. And I hated every second of it. I was watching the clock every day. But I learned so much about customer service, about sales, mm -hmm. about managing people, about what business was really like. But I really learned that I just couldn't work for other people. I was never going to be happy doing it. Mm. So when I actually got into college, I kind of looked at it as like a ticking clock. If I didn't create a business by the time I graduated, I was going to be stuck in the corporate world for <laughs> just started hustling and trying every possible thing to make money. And I opened up a, a book business to compete against a school bookstore because we all know that they rip people off and I thought I could give people more bang for their buck. So wow. I created a little referral program. I used my the money I made during my summer jobs. And before I knew it, I had lines out the door of people trying to sell me their textbooks <laughs> to the point where I actually got a cease and desist letter from my college to knock it off because I was taking up too much of their business. Oh my gosh. So that was my first glimpse into being an entrepreneur and books led me to Amazon. This was back in 2008, 2009. No one mm -hmm. really knew what Amazon was. It was kind of a big bookstore just getting into new stuff. Mm -hmm. But I thought it was so cool that I could have this online store I'd run 24 seven. I had customer service support. I just had to figure out what to sell because I couldn't carry around these books forever. Right. I knew I was going to graduate at some point. Yeah. So, so I started experimenting and I tried sporting equipment and outdoor supplies and video games, everything that a college guy is used to, right? Yeah. And I, and I just failed over and over and over again. The only thing I could get to sell were these books. And it mm. wasn't until I branched out of my comfort zone and came across the baby niche that my Amazon business started to explode. So mm. if you can imagine me as a 20 year old single college guy selling millions of dollars worth of baby products out of my college dorm room, that was me. And 
I came up with the idea of drop shipping where I didn't have a warehouse. I didn't have much money. I couldn't buy stuff up front. So I built relationships with these manufacturers where they would ship something to me. I'm sorry. I would get an order for them and tell them they would ship it to the end supplier and I would make the, the money in the middle. Mm. So I'm growing this business and it's booming and I have to start hiring people. Right? So I post a job on Facebook and I get this guy to apply and he's awesome. He's a hard worker. He's passionate. He cares about the business. He's my business partner to this day, Connor. So I lucked wow. out with my first hire. Right? Wow. But I, I'm thinking, wow, hiring is easy. I just post a job, people show up. <laughs> well, I proceed to make bad hire after bad hire after bad hire, wasting time, money, energy. Mm -hmm. And I realized college kids, no offense to the college kids listening, weren't that reliable for me. And the 30-year-old marketing experts didn't want to work for me as a young entrepreneur. So yep. I got thrown into the remote hiring space, the Fivers, the Upworks, the hiring remote freelancers to get stuff done for my business. Mm -hmm. I got pretty good at it, but I always wanted a better way because you post a job, you get 50 people to apply, you interview them one by one. As a business owner, it just takes forever. And I wanted something faster, so that's when I created FreeUp three years ago. That's how I went from a broke college kid to starting two companies. Wow. All right. Well, we got a whole lot to break down in here. I got a ton of stuff I want to ask you about. Um, so, so we covered, we covered what, what you're actually doing right now, which is free up, which is awesome. Um, but I want to sort of take it back because you sort of told us our whole story here, but, but I want to take it down and break it down a little bit more. Um, and sort of just hear, hear about like, like, okay. So, so there's a lot of stuff here that I want to break down. Um, first is drop shipping because I'm actually getting into that right now. Um, through through one of my business ventures, I'm, I'm I'm sort of breaking into the dropshipping space and sort of getting a feel for that. I had some experience with Amazon FBA a while back, so so there's a lot of stuff I want to hit on here. Um, but but first, um, so taking it back a bit, so so you said your parents were always sticking you in summer jobs and internships and whatever. Um, did you know? I mean, I mean, did you ever did you ever start something earlier than that bookstore? Or was the bookstore like your very first like entrepreneurial venture? I had a lot of uh, failed lemonade stands. We'll say. <laughs> Nothing, nothing legit. I tried opening like small, like I would go to the, the town dump and they would have different products there. It wasn't mm -hmm. really a dump. They, they called it a dump for lack of better words. Yeah. People would put their stuff there they didn't want and you could take whatever you wanted. And I would try to sell that on Craigslist and I would try to go on Craigslist and buy video games and then like flip them for more, but no, nothing stuck. It was just a lot of trial and error and different things to see how I could make money and create a legit business. Nice. That sounds like the original like Amazon or not Amazon, um, Craigslist free section where people just throw all this stuff in a pile. So you don't even have to go pick it up from, from individual places. They just allocate it all in a pile for you. That sounds nice. Yeah. Um, I mean, you make 20 bucks here, 50 yeah. bucks there, but at the same time, you're not, you're not turning it into a sustainable business model. No, but I think that's a great way to generate some, some initial, um, capital. If you're trying to, if you're trying to fund a business that, that might require a little more capital, um, people always come to me asking, they're like, I'm a college student. I don't know how to do anything, but I need some money. I'm like, flip stuff, like go to, to Craigslist free, pick up some stuff and flip it or flip some stuff on eBay. If you don't want to go anywhere, like, like I think flipping stuff is a great way for young people to get some early um, experience with actually making some money on their own that isn't like working a summer job or, or doing an internship because because there you get some like hands-on experience of like this is how you actually go out and hustle so so I'm, I'm a huge fan of like going out there and actually getting your hands dirty and flipping stuff so 100%. yeah um so so once you got to college um you, you sort of said that you that you were um selling textbooks and whatnot and that's that's amazing um so how did you really get started with that what what was your 
what was, how did that idea come to you that you were just going to like compete with the bookstore? So there, there was this company, I can't remember the name and I probably shouldn't say it anyway, but they would okay, come okay. to our dorm room and they would scan your books and they would give you a price and the prices were always ridiculous. They'd be like 10 cents, 25 cents. <laughs> and these, these were like hundred dollar books. Yeah. So the guy came to my room and, and dollars worth of books for $10. And so I started Googling it online and I actually found this website book scouter. And the funny part about that is at a conference that I was at, I met the guy who created that website that I <laughs> used way back in the day. But I came across the site Book Scouter. It was kind of cool. You would list um, your ASI or uh, ISBN that was on the back of the book. It would give you the price and compare it to different places that were offering to buy it, and you would decide who you wanted to ship it to. Well, as you kind of got got started using the site more and more, Amazon started popping up more and more. Amazon yep. started to buy back books and. That was kind of like, oh, what's that Amazon thing I keep seeing? And you get there and you create a seller account and that's where it led to more. Cool. Um, so when you were in college, were you were you jazzed about it? Did you enjoy your classes? Or were you really just like focused on starting as many businesses and like making as much money and, and just doing as much stuff as possible that wasn't classes? It's a great question. So I I worked really hard in college. My First three years, I was going all out. I made dean's list every single semester. Wow. Um, I, I kind of looked at it as, hey, I'm, I'm paying for college. I'm here. But I need to have a backup plan in place. I'm, yeah. I'm very risk adverse in that sense. So if I didn't create a business, because most businesses fail, if you look at the big picture, yep. I wanted to have a good college degree in my back pocket. So I crushed it. Now, by year three, I was much more inclined to, hey, I have this established business. I'm in class listing products instead of paying attention and kind of just scrambling to make buy, even though I still got good grades to finish up college. I didn't work as hard as the first three years. Mm. I think that's big because a lot of people that I talk to are so focused on dropping out of school to start their business. When what I say is why drop out of school? Why not look at that, that 60 hours of the week that you're not in class or doing homework? Look what you're doing with that time before you before you think about dropping out of school and, and basically throwing your backup plan away. So I think that's really big to our listeners out there that, that you don't have to drop out of school in order to start your own business. You can do it from your dorm room as, as Nathan has done um, on a couple occasions. So let's so we talked about the textbook business. Um, th there was another one, correct? Um, was that free up or was that something else? So the textbook business led into my Amazon business, which was okay, called Fortlight. Okay. But technically, it was the same business, but it was two different business models. And, and we eventually scrapped the books and went into the drop shipping on Amazon. Okay, and that that was just straight drop shipping. Was that like Amazon? Were you doing FB? You were doing FBA there? No, we didn't do any FBA. So we started off buying from deal sites, buying from retailers, and then eventually okay. we kind of went past the retailer to figure out who was the supplier, who was the manufacturer, and. At one point, we worked with over 200 manufacturers in the U.S. and had dropshipping relationships with them where they would send the product right to the customer. They would make the product, package the product, ship it, and we would just be responsible for the sales and the customer service. Wow. Wow. That's really that's really big. That's really big. Um, so so what made you want to go the DIY route of, of businesses? Because so many people nowadays, again, get caught up in the idea of, of raising capital and, and starting something huge, the next Facebook or Google um, so what made you want to go on the bootstrap route instead of trying to get a bunch of money together? Yeah, we live in the age of Shark Tank, right? Yes. Where everyone needs $500,000 to start a business. <laughs> exactly. I mean, for me, it's a comfort zone. It's a way to minimize risk. It's a way to be in, in control. I mean, if you get an investor, 
you are no longer your own boss. No. Depending on, you might work with an investor that's nice and gives you some leeway and flexibility, but at the end of the day, they're investing money in you to get a return on their investment. And they're going to make, they're going to force decisions on you that you may or may not want to make. So with both businesses, I, I was in complete control from the beginning. I could make decisions. I could listen to feedback. I could adjust and I'm not reporting to someone else. And if free up gets to the point where in order to go from 20 million to 150 million, I need an investor. Of course I'm open to it. But mm -hmm. I, if you create a business that's sustainable without an investor and it's lean enough where you don't just need cash and you're always chasing down cash, those are the kind of businesses that people want to invest in. Investors don't want to give you $500,000 on a risky business that you haven't proven yet yes. that may or may not work once you give them the money and they're kind of crossing their fingers. Those aren't the investments that they're looking in anyway. I mean, they want a business that you have are running systems, running processes. And yes, if you need to buy more inventory, that's a safe investment because they can see past results. But if you just have an idea and this idea can't function without a large investment, it's going to be very hard to get that money. And even if you do get it, there's a lot of things that can go wrong along the process. Yeah, that's so that's so true. If you don't have a track record, if you haven't actually done anything, if all you've done is come up with an idea, um, you don't have much to show and you don't have much, much reason or much credibility with these guys who 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 have these these venture capital funds. So how did you know? How did you know it was time to bring on uh, somebody else? Because you said you you decided to bring on somebody. You found a guy off of Facebook. Um, how did you know that it was time to, to bring on somebody else to the team? So I met with my accountant, a, a accountant that I hired for the first time because I probably had to start paying taxes, right? For yep. the first time. And the first thing he tells me or the first thing he asked me is, when are you going to hire your first person? And I kind of said, why would I do that? The money's going <laughs> into my pocket. I have to train them. They're not going to do it as well as me. Blah, blah, blah. All the excuses that every entrepreneur in the world has. And oh, yeah. he just laughed in my face and he pretty much said, you're going to learn this lesson on your own, kid. Well, sure enough, my first busy season comes around, the fourth quarter where everyone's buying baby products, everyone's buying toys, and yeah. I am not prepared. I get destroyed. I'm working 20 hours a day. My grades start to go down. I have no social life. I'm stressed out of my mind, and somehow I make it through to January working my butt <laughs> off for six to eight weeks, and when I get to January, I, can, I need to hire people. I need to be prepared. The only way to grow this business, I, I need help. And and that's when I started posting a job for my first person. Wow. Wow. Okay. Okay. And then, so, so did, did from there, did it sort of flow into more employees and more employees or, or for that business? Was it really just the one? No, we, we hired a bunch of people and well, we quickly, so once, once I hired Connor and he's learned the business and I decided to make him my partner, um, we started hiring different employees. And at first we came up with the idea of the manager of the day. So we would hire someone who'd be able to do all the day-to-day -day operations, emails or customer service, orders, listings, everything so that we could focus on expansion getting more manufacturers, figuring out how to grow this thing. And mm. so we hired someone. And we put six months into training him. We got him really good. And wow. it was great. I could sleep better at night. I, the business was running without us. And we decided to take our first vacation and we book it to go to Myrtle Beach. And on the first day of our vacation, he quits on us. <laughs> oh my God. So six months of training down the drain. But we learned a very valuable lesson about diversifying. Yeah. And departmentalizing. So when we got back, we, Hey, we hired one person for orders, one person for customer service, one person for listing. And 
when I graduated, we moved down to Florida and opened up an office and we had a team in the office, which was one of my worst business decisions. Not that the people weren't awesome, but just adding a, adding overhead to a dropshipping business that didn't require any overhead made mm -hmm. no sense looking back yeah. at it. So we quickly got rid of that and went back to remote. Nice. Nice. So how was the transition for you from, from being the entrepreneur that's doing everything to being the guy sort of that's overseeing the whole process and sort of putting, putting the pieces into place to make it, to make it happen. So when I worked at Firestone, which was one of my internships, I had this manager who took me under his wing and he was a good manager. He had, uh, he was always in the top of sales for the district or whatever it was. And sure. he had a, a managerial style that was very harsh. He would talk down to people. He was looking over people's shoulders at all times. He knew what was going on completely in control, completely on top of it. The, the most anal manager that you could ever think of. But that's, that's the only thing that I knew, right? I was a young kid, a young entrepreneur who had one manager and I just saw that one managing style. So yep. when I started to hire people and manage people, I started to just do the exact same thing and it, it was effective. It got stuff done, but people obviously hated it and it wasn't good for morale. It led to turnover and it really led to me reevaluating my whole philosophy on managing people and trying to break away from what I had been taught for years. And even today, I mean, sometimes those old tendencies just come back. I mean, as a business owner, you're, you're, you're always like learn from either your mentors or the businesses you worked for before. I've never had a real job after college. So everything that I'm doing, I have to base on those limited past experiences that I had. Mm, okay. Okay. Now that makes sense. And I mean, yeah, once you, when you only have one boss, like that can be really impressionable on you. And really shape shape the way that you decide to do it. Um, so so coming back a bit, you said that during Q four um, of of the busy season where you were just getting smashed because it was just you, um, your your school, your social life, your everything just sort of went out the window, and you were working twenty hours a day. Um, besides then, how how was the experience of of running a business and, and balancing your school and social commitments? Like other than that time, was it was it decent? Were you very like in on the business one hundred percent? Did you, did you have some kind of balance going on or, or what did that look like? I was definitely in on the business hundred percent. I mean, I would oh, have yeah. it on my phone. I would check it all the time, but I had a very good balance. I got good at it. I mean, w one of the reasons that I suggest going to college, assuming you can afford it, because obviously that's the big thing it, and you might not get that return on investment, especially nowadays with prices going up and, and job wages going down. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, I wouldn't trade those four years for anything. I mean, the friends that I have there are lifelong friends that, um, I, I still hang out with to this day, the, from the parties to the social life and finding yourself and getting me all over that. I learned a ton about life and just things that I wouldn't have gotten to experience. So all things being e even, I definitely recommend going to college. I had a blast. I wouldn't trade those years. And, and I had a great time, even though I was running a business and getting good grades. Now, if all things aren't equal, then you have to make the decision of what makes sense for your life and your business and your long-term strategy. That's very true. And that's very impressive that you were able to manage like a, an actual business along with good grades and a social life. Like most people get one, maybe two of those things at best, but, but the fact that you were doing all three is, is crazy. And I definitely look up to that a lot. That's really what I'm aspiring to do right now. So, so we'll see if I, if I get half as much success as you do with that. Um, so flowing in to, to sort of the second company and the drop shipping from your original textbook company, did you feel more prepared to sort of, to sort of start that one um, after you'd already had the textbook company, had some success, obviously you got the cease and desist letter. 
Um, but but did you feel a little bit more like you knew what was going on starting the second one? No, only because I mean the book business was so small. I mean we're talking okay. thousands of dollars, and the the second business went from hundreds of thousand dollars to millions of dollars. So wow. the book business was okay, and I learned a little bit, and I definitely got some real life experience. But sure. it didn't really prepare you for running a full fledged operation <laughs> with employees and taxes and and Amazon rules and, and working with manufacturers and building relationships and customer service and people who don't get their presents on time for Christmas and all this <laughs> stuff. I mean, selling books in college a few times every semester doesn't prepare you for that. That's fair. That's fair. Um, so how did you, how did you find the baby niche? Why did you pick the baby niche and just where, where did that come from? Complete luck. I mean, I just tried every single thing I could find. I would go to deal sites and I would look up different products on Amazon. And for whatever reason, I, once I found baby products, I, I sold some products and I was like, all right, let's find more people for baby products. And I sold more. And, and then I was like, okay, baby products is this thing is a thing. Let's go forward and, and focus as much time as possible on that. I mean, one thing I encourage all you to do as a business owner, never go into a business thinking, Hey, I'm here and I'm going to be there at the end. It, it mm. never works out that way. You have to read the market. You have to try new things. You have to get out of your comfort zone. And sometimes you have to change the direction of your business. If things are working, things are not working. Competitors come in, they leave. Well, all these different things are going to happen to you. And if you're not willing to pivot and adjust, then you're not going to succeed most likely. So it, I, it was really just me trial and error and reading the market and adjusting. That's wow. Okay. 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 That makes sense. That makes sense. Do you think it's more important to be the first person there or, or be the be the first person to like be able to adapt like like do you think it's important to have that first mover advantage or not i mean it depends on the business i definitely had a first mover advantage with the amazon business i mean i time we did a great job for eight years and i mean you could argue that free up is getting into the beginning of the gay economy even though there's lots of different marketplaces out there already so i i mean it's a combination of both. You can be first, but if you don't make the adjustments, you're going to be out pretty quick and you can come in second and improve upon what other people are doing and still have a ton of success. Mm, that's big. That's really big. So, so give me an idea for what your, what your like starting investment was with this dropshipping business. Like, are we talking like a hundred bucks, a thousand bucks, 10,000 bucks? Yeah. Less than a thousand dollars. Less than a thousand dollars. Wow. Was that just for your first shipment? Or, or I guess, I guess you don't even have to have a shipment. I was thinking FBA, but um, you don't even have to have a shipment because you can just forward the orders. Yeah, you get the cash up front, you buy the stuff, and, and then you ship it to them, and you can put it all on credit card depending on your manufacturer and wait 30 days to pay and get the points. I mean, there's stuff you have to do, buying a business license, um, mm -hmm. stuff like that, like register. I think I use biz filings and um, stuff like that, but very, very small expenses. So, I mean, with the dropshipping business, it didn't take much money, even free up. I start, I put it, I put $10,000 into a bank account to start free up. And I think I only spent one or 2000 before we became profitable. And I just took that money back out. Wow. That, that's really, really impressive. Um, what do you, what do you think that the, the number one thing you learned from starting from starting both these businesses with under, I'll say under $2,000 was? So one thing that I learned is I know the type of people now that I work very, very well with. And I mm. like to surround myself with those type of people because I mean, I just know who I am. I'm a, I talk fast. I move fast. I make adjustments on the fly. I'm very open to feedback. I'm very open to ideas, no matter if it's coming from a client, a freelancer, a random person who hears about my business. But <laughs> at the same time, 
if you're working with me as a manufacturer, as an employee, as a freelancer, whatever it is, I have incredibly high expectations and I'm very quick to part ways with people who can't meet those expectations or who can't, who can't communicate with me on my level, who can't work fast, who can't get stuff done, who can't honor their words. So just mm. being able to understand who I work with better gave me a huge head to heads up with FreeUp because we have an amazing team. We have over 30 people on our team and they are all rock stars. And we did that in one tenth of the time that it took me to do that on my Amazon business, but just because you, we've hired lots of different people and we made mistakes and we kind of learned from them and we got to free up. We had a, a much better idea of what we wanted. And that's one of the reasons why I talk about hiring so much. It's so important to grow your business. At some point, you cannot grow your business if you don't make good hires. And you can't make good hires unless you know yourself and you come up with a good hiring process that you continue to make better and better over time. Mm, I love that. I love that. That self-awareness is so, so key. And the fact that you were able to learn that in in not not necessarily a low stakes environment, because I mean, this dropshipping business was still a very legitimate business and, and you were still bringing in a ton of money. Um, but the fact that you were able to learn that in, in a smaller, I guess, smaller scale is what I'm going for here. Um, that you were able to learn these things about yourself and about who you work well with is, is really big. And, and that's why, in, in my opinion, it can be really beneficial to start something small, even if you don't think it's going to be like the thing, just start something small. You're going to learn a lot about, about business, about yourself that is going to translate into, into starting something else. So I, I really think it's important to, to, to just start on something rather than procrastinating and, and thinking that it's not like the thing, uh, because, because you'll, you'll learn a lot from it either way, in my opinion. Um, so, so what is, what's one thing that you wish you would have known before you started these businesses? Like what, um, whether that be like something about yourself, about who you work well with, what's like, what's one thing that you think would have made it a lot easier for you? So when I first started out, I was very much in, Hey, I started this business. It's my ideas. I'm the boss. People do what I tell them to do. And I'm all the ideas come from me and the top down. Mm. And eventually once I realized that some of the best ideas, the ones that made me the most money, the ones that cut the most cost were coming from other people, the, the light bulb kind of went off that <laughs> I need to create an environment where these ideas and these feedback are encouraged. I don't want to work with robots anymore that just do what I say. Mm. I want people that come in every day with their A game trying to update every single part of the business. And I think that's what I've been able to do with FreeUp. My accounting team, I don't, I hate bookkeeping. I don't want to be in that team. And yep. yeah, I'll do meetings with them once a week. But if they're not coming in every day trying to make the process better and better and better, I'm sure as hell not doing it, you know? <laughs> so, um, and same thing on our customer service in every part. We hire people that not only can follow directions and do, do good work and communicate and all that, but they can come in and bring their own ideas to the table to continue to make things better and better. And when you have 30 people billing you a thousand hours every week and everyone's trying to make every part of the business better, that's how you take your business to the next level. Oh, that's so big because I mean, for me personally, I've just started to bring on some, some people underneath me in my social media marketing and in my Instagram growth um, sort of business. And it's it's hard. It's hard to hand off the reins to people when when you're the you're the one in charge. The ideas are coming from you, and like you know what you're doing. But it's but it's hard to trust these people because because you don't know if they'll do as good of a job as you. And it's hard to just like l let control go a bit. So so I think that's really important. And and I still need to really internalize that just because I'm I'm in this I'm in this mode now where where turning over the the reins can be a little bit challenging for me. And just stepping back and and realizing that. That even if the job isn't done exactly to my specifications, like it's it's still getting done. So I, I definitely got to work on that. Um, 
So, so what, what, what would you tell a college, a college entrepreneur who thinks they want to start their own business, not sure what they want to do, doesn't really have an idea. They're just like, I want to be an entrepreneur. I want to start a business. Um, tell me, tell me something that's going to help me. So the first thing is, do you actually want to be an entrepreneur? Are you willing <laughs> to do what it takes to be an entrepreneur? Because there have been some Saturday nights, some Friday nights, and not just some, a lot that listen, I didn't go out because there was an issue. There was something that I needed to get done by Monday to get to the next level. I mean, there are times where I'm on a date with my girlfriend and my phone goes off and a developer has an urgent issue and I have to go take a phone call. And those might not seem like a big deal, but I mean, that stuff's going to happen for the first six months, for the first year of any bootstrap business, you're going to be working nonstop 60, 80 hours a week, whatever it is. And if you don't do that, it's going to be very hard for you to succeed. So I guess the first thing is figure out, is that actually what you want? Because starting a business, you're not just focused on the idea. If you want to open a bakery, you can't just be a good baker. You have to do the accounting. You have to do the marketing. You have to do the sales. You have to build the relationships with the the suppliers that you get your products from or your food from. So there, there's so much, many parts of that business, not to mention the whole hiring people is really hard and eventually you're going to have to do it thing. So make sure you're actually prepared and you want to do it. And if you want to do it, take small steps. I mean, you can slowly work on something. I didn't wake up one day and hire 40 people. I, I hired an assistant and I built it from there. I, I researched marketing and I created a small plan and I built up from there and I created a bookkeeping team and built it up from there. You can take those small steps and do it over time, but you have to be committed for the long haul. That's fair. That's fair. So what's your, what's your number one tip? I know you talk a lot about hiring people. What's your number one tip on hiring? Like what is the, 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 the number one thing that you would tell somebody who hasn't hired anybody yet, but, but it's about to. So my number one thing is that diversification lesson I said before. My yep. number two thing is set those expectations right from the beginning. So, so many mm -hmm. people, they put someone through an interview process, they hire them, they're excited, they're all right, ready to go, all right, go do work. Take a step back, spend some extra time getting on the same page with expectations. This is when you work, this is how we communicate, this is what's expected of you, these are the due dates, this is what didn't work with the last person, this is what constitutes success and failure, these are my pet peeves, this is how I work really getting on the same page, everything in writing black and white. So that if you go in a few days and they're not meeting those expectations, all work stops. You take a step back, you get back on the same expectations and only then do you move forward. And if they don't hit it again, it's black and white. You don't have to worry about, Hey, did it, does it, is this person good? Is this not good? They either hit their, your expectations or they don't hit your expectations. And if you're, if you're able to do that, you're going to figure out those bad hiring decisions really early on because no one has a 100% hire, even if you do everything right. But what you need to be able to do is you need to figure out these bad hires in day one, two, three, four, not in month two, three, four, five. You have to figure that out early. And the best way to do that is to put a focus on those expectations. That's so big because, yeah, I mean, just in the process that I'm in right now, um, expectations are definitely, I'm definitely doing a poor job at that. Like I am not being clear with my expectations that I have for people and what I expect them to get done and by when. So that's something that I, I'm, I'm going to, as soon as we get off this call, as soon as we finish chatting, I'm definitely going to send a couple of emails and, and just sort of reestablish some things that need to be reestablished because that's, that's definitely very essential. And I'm, I'm totally, I'm, I'm, thank you for that. I appreciate that. No problem. Okay. Um, one more, one more thing about like your number one, whatever. 
Um, and that's if you if you had the time, energy, resources to start a any business that you wanted right now, right here, what would it be? And and just give us a brief rundown. Oh man, I can't answer that question. I mean, if you had asked me ten years ago if I'd be mm -hmm. selling baby products on Amazon, wouldn't have believed you. And if you had asked me five years into my Amazon business if I'd be running a marketplace for freelancers five years later, I wouldn't have believed you. I mean. I, one of the things about me is I'm an incredibly short-term thinker. I don't mm -hmm. I don't do things to jeopardize the long term, but I know that there is no long term if I don't do the short term. So yes. I'm very focused on today, this week, this quarter at the very most, and everything else kind of figures itself out. I mean, if FreeUp goes bankrupt in a year, I'll, I'll regroup and and figure it out from there. If a new competitor comes in or, or we expand and we double, all that stuff can get figured out down the line. But I'm much more focused on what I need to do right now to get us to be in a position to have a point in the future. So I have no idea what business I do. Um, I will probably say that at this point in my life, I'm, I'm 29, we'll turn 30 in six months. I probably won't bootstrap another business with less than $2,000. I would, if I do start another hmm. business, I would probably want to skip that first six months, first a year because I'm in a much different spot. I'm not a broke college kid anymore. Mm -hmm. And, and don't get me wrong, I still think that you should do that and I encourage you to do it and there's nothing better than bootstrapping your own company. But at some point, if you're gonna start new businesses, you can't bootstrap every single one of them from nothing, you know? Yeah, and I mean, if you have the resources to, to sort of get it going a little bit faster, then I think, in my opinion, that makes sense to do because, because it, like you said, you can sort of skip that first six months. But again, I'm sure you're gonna learn a lot from those six months, but, but since you've already gone through it a couple times, um, that, that, that makes sense from my opinion. Um, all right. So what's, you said you don't think long-term, but what's next for you and free up? You got any big projects in the works or anything super exciting coming in the next, I guess, no more than a quarter. Uh, but what are you, what are you thinking for the near future for free up? So free up's growing fast. We're excited about that. We have a lot of updates. One of the things about us, I mean, we compete with the biggest players in the world, right? The Upworks, the Fivers, and yes. they have a much bigger software budget than us. So our software is always gonna lag behind them. With mm -hmm. that said, we have an awesome software team put together and we have some great projects coming up that we think is gonna enhance the client and the freelancer experience. So we're really excited about that. On a personal level, I'm getting into guest speaking at conferences. I'm really? doing a bunch of them coming up. I've been doing them throughout this year. Last year was kind of the year of the podcast. I've been on over a hundred podcasts and Dang. this is the year of the conferences. So I wouldn't say that speaking on stage to 300 people is my natural comfort zone, um, <laughs> but it's exciting to, to do something new and it all kind of goes together. It helps free up, it helps my brand, it, it all runs forward. That's awesome, that's really, really cool. Um, I'm, I'm totally, I, I love speaking in front of people. I've done it a bit. I got my first speaking gig books for February. Um, that's actually paid. So I'm really stoked for that. Um, but yeah, that's that's really cool that you're doing some paid speaking events because that's, I mean, that's the great way to get in front of a lot of people and really make that personal connection because I make YouTube videos and those can reach a lot of people, but but it's hard to have that personal connection on a place like YouTube um, as opposed to actually like being there and being able to talk to people one-on-one. -on -one. So that's, that's, really, that's really cool. Um, so, so now for the last part of the show, um, I want to hop into some questions that I like to ask all of my guests. These are questions that are really just for my selfish interest. I like to hear, um, how people, how people respond to these. So, so we're just going to get right into it. Um, the first of which is how do you, how do you stay motivated? How do you keep going and, and keep innovating and, and, and finding new ways to, to sort of, um, break forward? 
So one of the best things that Connor and I have been doing for a while now is we have we have a, an hour, usually every other week, where we just get away from the business. And we used to both live in Florida together. He now lives in Colorado, which is awesome because it gives me an excuse to travel there. But we'll just <laughs> spend time just brainstorming away from the day-to-day -day operations. We'll just talk about different aspects of the business. And you never know where the conversation is going to lead. You come up with new ideas. Maybe you've been thinking of an idea for a while and you want to tell the other person and we write everything down. And by the end of this meeting, we are both motivated. We were like, wow, we have so much to do. We have these awesome ideas. I can't wait to implement them. And I mean, sometimes the day-to-day -day operations of a business can grind you down a little bit. I know yeah. last week I was tired by the end of it. I was training six new assistants and it was a little bit crazy. And wow. when I got to Friday and it was good to, to get away from the day-to-day -day operations. And I had a phone call with them on Saturday and I was rejuvenated for this week and today's Monday and I crushed through Monday and I'm ready to go tomorrow. So that's awesome. That's awesome. I like that a lot. And I mean, honestly, just like getting that time away and honestly, like when I'm in the shower or like all of these times where like everything's just like quiet or like laying in bed at night before you fall asleep, like those are the times when I get my best ideas and those ideas are the ones that like get me going. So, so I think, I think that's a great, great way to go. And that's what I do myself as well. Um, do you have any habits that have served you particularly well, whether those be in business or just in life in general? I work out five days a week and I do an hour really intense workout gym right down the street. And for me, I do it around, I'm not, I am a morning person when it comes to work. I'm not a morning person when it comes to working out okay. by four o'clock, my brain's ready to shut off. So going to the gym, I usually don't talk to anyone. I'm in my head the whole time and I just take any stress from the day and any frustrations out of the gym. When I come back, I feel great. And if I have a night phone call or whatever, or, or my girlfriend comes home from work and we can hang out. So that's kind of my release point to get away from the whole business. Hmm, nice. I really like that. I like that a lot. Um, have there been any book or books that have had a huge impact on you? Again, these can be business or just like life in general. Yeah. Start with why by uh, Simon Sinek. And here's why. So with the Amazon business, it was fun. I learned a lot. Um, I, and it was a great experience at the same time. I'm not passionate about baby products. I'm still, I don't have any kids. I'm not, still not passionate about baby products. And so while it was a great business, because I wasn't passionate about it in the last few years, it was dragging a little bit. I couldn't get as motivated as I was at the beginning with free up. It's way different. I get to help clients all around the world, get access to fast talent. I get to help freelancers provide for their family and grow their freelance business. I get to travel and speak on conferences and make a difference in people's lives. There's a much bigger reason why. And it's why I've continued to become more and more motivated. So the, my takeaway from that book, just very related to me on a personal level, just because I kind of went through that with a business that was great, but I didn't really care about the product I was selling to a mm -hmm. business where I'm all about what we're selling. Awesome. Awesome. That's, I mean, yeah, that's gotta be a lot more, a lot more fulfilling. I know personally, all the projects that I'm on, I'm like super, super involved in and super passionate about. And that's just been very, very good for me to, to, to stay motivated and whatnot. Um, so, so yeah, I would imagine, I would imagine not being super passionate about it is a little bit, a little bit trickier to stick with it. Um, so, so last question I want to ask you before we, before we head out here is just where can people find out more about you? Where can people connect with you and where can people learn more about what free up is and, and what you're all about? Yeah. So real quick about free up, what we do is we get thousands of applicants every week, freelancers from around the world. We take the top 1%, let them in based on skill, attitude, communication. We make them available to people quickly. They put in a request. We fill them within a business day on the back end. We have 24 seven support to make sure you have a great experience 
My calendar is right at the top of the free up website. If you ever want to meet with me about your business or how I can help free of charge. And on the back end, we have a no turnover guarantee. If freelancers quit for any reason, we cover replacement costs and get them a new person right away. So wow. that's what we're about. The I can website, all social media channels, but also check out the free up YouTube channel and the free up blog for a lot of hiring tips. Wow. You got a lot of content out there. That's really cool. I really respect that. <laughs> cool. Cool. Um, well, thank you very much again, Nathan, for being on the show. I appreciate it. And I appreciate your time. I realize you're a busy person. So, so it means a lot that you took the time to, to appear on Young Smart Money today and, and sort of run us through your businesses that you've started and, and the hiring process and all that good stuff. So I'm, I'm stoked that you were here. Um, and I hope, I hope we get to talk more in the future and, and sort of get to know each other a bit better because I, you sound like a really cool dude. And, and I'm glad we, I'm glad we got this time to, to chat. So thank you very much again for that. I do appreciate it a lot. Yeah. Thanks so much. And let's stay in touch. All right, guys, that was Nathan Hirsch, again, the founder of FreeUp. Um, if you guys enjoyed this episode, feel free to let me know either in the comments below or with a review on iTunes. I really do appreciate all of your guys' feedback. It goes a long way. And I've really been trying to incorporate all of it into the episodes going forward. Also, if you guys didn't know, I just got back from a conference called FinCon. It was down in Orlando, um, and that was a blast. I got to meet a ton of cool financial creators. If you want to find out more about that and my experience, definitely check out my YouTube channel at youtube.com slash applecrider or my Instagram at applecriterofficial. I've got a ton of stuff up there on, on my experience, all the cool people I met, and um, I'm sure there's going to be some interviews coming from that on the podcast in the near future. Anyways, guys, I hope you guys really enjoyed. My name has been Apple Crater. This has been Young Smart Money, and I hope you guys got a ton of value from this episode today. I'll catch y'all in the next one.